Production support comes from Smithville Fiber, the Gigacity Company, a philanthropic community partner since 1922 and proud supporter of numerous community organizations. More information at smithville.com. And School of Public Health Bloomington, Public Health Reimagined, addressing 21st century health challenges with a multidisciplinary approach to disease prevention, health promotion, and enhancing quality of life publichealth.indiana.edu. Welcome to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, editor of the Herald Times, along with co-host Sarah Whitmire, the News Bureau Chief of WFIU and WTIU. The 2016 Indiana General Assembly is in session, and as usual, a lot of very important issues are on the agenda. We have three guests lined up for today's show to talk about what's ahead in the uh, legislature this year. Our guests joining us uh, by phone are Representative Matt Lehman, a Republican from Bern, who is the majority floor leader, and Representative Dan Forstall, a Democrat from Indianapolis. Also in the studio with us is our frequent visitor on political topics, uh, Indiana University political science professor Marjorie Hershey. If you want to join our conversation, please uh, give us a call at 812-855-0811 or 1-877-285-9348. You can also join the live chat at wfiu.org slash noon edition, and you can follow us on Twitter at noon edition. So happy new year to everybody. Glad to have you all here with us today. All right. Thanks. Well, I want to start with uh, both of you in the legislature. Let's start with uh, with Matt Lehman first. You're in the majority in the legislature. So, you know, when you just look ahead, let's take sort of the broad view. I mean, what do you what do you hope that at the end of this session that people will be able to say this was, you know, an education session or this was a law and order session or this was a job session? Is there anything in particular you hope that this stand this session stands for? Um, I, I, I guess I would say I hope at the end of the day we say it was a good session. Um, I think that's that's maybe some of the issues sometimes we get wrapped up in. It's a, it is an education session or a jobs session. I think there's a lot of issues out there, Bob, that that, uh, and, and that we got to deal with this session. I think Dan would agree. I mean, when you, when you start to look at uh, infrastructure issues, education issues, a lot of those are some very heavy lifting. And I think when we get to the end. I hope we're I hope we're able to kind of accomplish them all and just be able to look back and say, you know, we had a very productive session. Okay, we'll get into a lot of those specifics, but Dan, uh, you go ahead. Yeah, uh, I would have to agree with uh, with Matt. I hope we I hope we have a good session. Uh, I know there uh, is some consternation over uh, a few, you know, more of the more controversial issues uh, that that probably will uh, suck a lot of air out of the room, uh, and really that's kind of that's happened the. the the last three years I've been in the uh, assembly, and so uh, my hope is we get to the end of this session and we uh, have have put to rest uh, at least one of those really really controversial issues, and we are able then to focus back on the economy and infrastructure and. Uh, education and give those things the attention that they deserve. Okay, Dan. So you have to give us more detail than that. So which sure. one do you hope we uh, put to rest? The uh, the civil rights statute. Mm-hmm. Uh, four words and a comma, uh, you know, really puts this issue to rest, and it sends the right message. Uh, business leaders have spoken. I think Hoosiers have spoken. Uh, in my opinion, uh, we've had this same fight for the past three years, uh, and now we're heading into our fourth year, uh, or my fourth year, having this same fight. My hope is, uh, my deep hope is that we put this issue to rest uh, for all future Assemblies. All right, Matt. Your response to that? Uh, you know, that's. I know there are several different bills that are addressing. You know, the issue, the civil rights issue. Um, Dan just mentioned four words in a comma as one. That most of the bills seem to have a lot more detail in them than that simple fix. So. Well, and I think it's it, it is a much more complex issue than than a simple four words in a comma. I think if you, Dana is right. This has been an issue out there in some form or another. Whether it starts with you know HDR six and then and it moves into the RIFRA and then into this issue this year, um, but I think they're all different to a certain degree. There are different fronts on, on those particular issues, um, and I think where where the balance is a little more difficult than what I think some people are realizing is, 
it's it, I hear it's as simple as four words in a comma, but it's it's a, it's a it's a very fine edge. It's a razor's edge of a civil rights issue, and and and, and looking at and and if you want to use the term of civil rights issue, but it, it's taking the freedoms. Uh, that we have constitutionally for a right of conscience, which is even broader than the First Amendment and the federal constitution, which is just your religious freedoms. Um, how do you balance that? How do you balance someone who, who, keeping in mind that, in my view, constitutional rights are individual rights, that my individual right is a right of conscience, how do you balance that with a state interest of saying uh, we're going to, to, in essence, force you to do something that violates that conscience uh, through through a civil rights uh, statute? So I think there has to be a, a balance, and I, I don't know that four words in a comma reaches that balance. I'm not sure the Senate bill reaches that balance. Um, you know, there, we've, we've, there's nothing in the House. Uh, the Senate has has taken the, the lead on this. Uh, we're watching very closely. Uh, but, but we're having that discussion. I think we start off this, this year by saying we're, we're not going to uh, – we don't want to play games with this issue, uh, but we want to make sure that when we, when we do deal with it, we deal with it respectfully and that we deal with it uh, logically and that we, we look at, at, at that balance because that is a difficult thing. And I've had a lot of people say – I think there was even a poll out that says that uh, you know, more people would, would support uh, the civil rights. That, that would trump – the religious rights, and, and I just, from, from a person who looks at the Constitution very, very seriously, that's a that's, that's a tough sell to me to say that uh, we we are easy, easily that easily will put aside one part of our of our constitutional uh, rights. So I, I just think it's it's potentially even a slippery slope. Marjorie, from a political science perspective, and from you know you've been observing this issue for quite a while too. Far too long. <laughs> yes, uh, I should mention uh, for people who are not. Um, day-to-day followers of the legislature that four words and a comma means that uh, simply the mention of um, sexual orientation would be added to the civil rights statute mm-hmm. of the state. Right. Okay, now that I've interrupted you, why don't you ask me your question? <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, when, when you look at, uh, you know, you've been observing this issue and, and watching, you know, what it's done to sort of Indiana politics for several years and when um, you know both uh, Matt Lehman and Dan Forstall talk about how they hope that we can put it behind us after this year you know what's it going to take to get this get ahead of this issue well I think that uh, what representative Lehman said is very true that there are some deeply rooted disagreements on this issue and that when you run into an issue like that you don't just get ahead of it. You just uh, generate a, some, some level of compromise that a lot of people are unhappy with, and then you try to move on from there. But, you know, democracy isn't a system in which we all come to think the same. Democracy is a system in which we have lots of different views, and that's perfectly normal, but we find ways to settle them without shooting one another. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I, I think it's just going to be extremely difficult. I think this is also difficult, and I suspect that Representative Lehman would agree, in that this is a really big conflict within the majority party itself in the state, in that um, the Republican Party has a great deal of business support and an awful lot of people in business, especially those who are in businesses that cross state lines, feel that uh, recognizing protections for um, sexual orientation would be very helpful for their bottom line because it helps them attract people from other states who don't want to think that they're going someplace where their workforce is going to be endangered by some legislation. On the other hand, there's also a very substantial group of evangelicals within the Republican Party that feels very strongly that uh, this has a biblical basis, that uh, some argue it has a constitutional basis, those folks are not going to agree. One of them is just going to win. Mm-hmm. All right. So I want to ask uh, Representative Lehman, um, well, both of you, actually. but So that's an outside perspective from, from Marjorie Hershey's, but who has been observing this for you know many years and observing Indiana politics for many years. Um, what's your reaction to what she said? Matt, I, I, think, I think Marjorie. I think Marjorie's right. There is a divide within our party, I, and I, I don't know that I didn't use the word divide because I, I think what I what I've 
as I as I taken over this position as as the the uh, majority floor leader, um, I've gotten to know a lot more of my colleagues, um, you know, much more intimately in these discussions. Uh, and what you find is is that it's 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 probably the one issue that I've dealt with in my eight years there that has become literally very personal. Um, you know, everybody has a connection somewhere. You might say. And, and, and then how do you respond to that? And I think that there's, there's those who, who feel like it, it's a, uh, uh, you know, some would say it, are, those protections are already there in many of the places that you just talked about. I mean, Indianapolis, is, I, would, I would say, and, and Dan, correct if I'm wrong, but I would say Indianapolis is not a place that, that's, that's, uh, that's hostile or, or, or negative towards the LGBT community. If anything else, I think it embraces them, and, that, and that's fine for Annapolis and Fort Wayne and, and other places. I just think you know you're 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 maybe trying to fix a a, a an issue that's it's really a very moral and social and very personal issue with some sort of, sort of a statewide policy, and naturally that's going to kind of divide not just a party, but I think it divides it can divide families. It divides. I mean, and we probably had this discussion around the dinner table with our families and and, and disagree. Um, so I think that's why it's 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 not it's not an easy decision whatsoever. Dan, last last word on this topic. We're gonna, we're going to move on. There are a lot of other issues we want to get to today. Yeah, I would say the you know I I think the um, uh, the professor's assessment of kind of the lay of the land uh, is very accurate. Uh, but I, but I would have to push back a little bit. And let me preface it by saying, uh, I, I, Representative Layman is one of the finest. Uh, legislators and people that I know, and I know being in uh, as high a, a leadership role as he uh, as he is, it's it's tough. He's got a you know large caucus, but for me, the the issue is much simpler. Uh, and I think when speaking to somebody who's under the age of thirty five, uh, when we look back twenty years from now, my my gut feeling is we will think that this this kind of level of uh, of intensity in the fight was silly. Uh, you know, we have, Indiana has survived for 200 years with religious liberty that was guaranteed in the Constitution. So, you know, any attempt to tweak that, uh, which, like we saw yes, last year, led to this extreme flare-up and these hurt feelings uh, on both sides of the issue that, were, that showed really, really clear. And my feeling is the only way to fix that is to say once and for all, Indiana feels discrimination against the LGBT community is not the law of the land, period. Uh, and anything Sarah, short of that is just going to lead to more hurt feelings on both sides of the issue. Sarah wants so, to follow I, up with something. I mean, I, I think there's agreement among everybody that they want to put this issue to bed. But even with the the alter, alternative that Senator Holdman released yesterday where it would remove transgender from the the protected class. And he was already saying then maybe that's something, that part of it, we can move that to a summer study committee and learn more there. So aren't we already kind of saying this isn't something we're going to solve this session? And I'll just throw that that out to to both of you. Well, I think, you know, one of the challenges we all face here is that this isn't uh, this isn't anything new in American politics. This has been built in since the beginning of the republic, that on the one hand, we have the system of federalism that says that this is a pretty diverse nation and it's a very big nation and that one part of it uh, ought to let the other parts of it make their own decisions as to what they think is best, states, states' rights. On the other hand, we also uh, have had for quite a long time the principle that there are certain fundamental rights that the national government um, needs to be able to champion, and civil rights has certainly been one that's had a long history of that. So, uh, you know, A, we're not going to solve this right now. B, this is just one of a whole series of conflicts that we can expect for as long as the republic lasts. Mm -hmm. All right. I want to give our phone numbers again, 812-855-0811 here in Bloomington, 1-877-285-9348 if you're outside of the Bloomington area in, uh, say, Bern, for instance, or Indianapolis. (laughs) And uh, you can also join us uh, on a live chat, wfiu.org slash noon edition, and you can follow us on Twitter at Noon Edition. 
you know, a lot of other major issues that are going to be going through the state house this year. Let's talk. Let's let's take infrastructure for one. Um, you know, what what would each of you like to see when it comes to to bills that would um, help move forward on issue, any issue that involves the infrastructure, you know, roads, streets, bridges, whatever in Indiana. Uh, let's start with with Representative Forstall. Sure. Uh, yeah, that's a, a, uh, a great question, and I'll tell you it's one of the things that we are uh, looking very closely at right now. I'm the uh, the ranking Democrat on the Roads and Transportation Committee, uh, and I think the, the Democrat caucus has and myself have come up with a plan uh, that works and that is common sense uh you know the state is currently uh sitting on a two billion dollars of taxpayer money uh, and they it's called the the surplus uh, and at a time when that surplus is uh, that large and that built up um you know my friends on on the other side uh, appear to be poised to raise the gas tax and we think that that is uh, premature you know my our feeling is that we should work with what we have and live within our means first, and then we can reassess and, and see where we are uh, once we have you know spent what taxpayers have already paid. But you know any any uh, effort or attempt to to raise the gas tax or toll roads or any of that kind of stuff before we have uh, exhausted every other alternative is just a, a non-starter with the, the House Democrats. All right, Matt Matt Lehman. Yeah, and, and I'll say this. I, I think with uh, having Dan on, you've picked the right uh, person to represent the Democrats because Dan is deeply engaged in this. Dan's a great, a great legislator, and, and obviously has been very engaged in this in this road issue. I, I, I will say this. I don't think it's anything that, that neither side is disagreeing on on the fundamental problem. Our infrastructure needs direct attention and needs it now. Um, what we come down to really is is what the best way to get there. And I think what approach we've taken uh, from the Republican standpoint is is we're willing to look kind of at all options. And, and what we're also looking at is uh, these problems didn't trade themselves uh, overnight, and, and they're not going to be a one-time fix. So what do we look at that is long-term and sustainable? Uh, I think if you, if you kind of look on one hand, if, if you look, I've heard, I've heard bonding thrown out there. You know, we're still paying on bonds from the 90s. Uh, for roads, and, and those roads have long been since repaired and redone and, and so on. I don't think bonding is a great option for a short-term, and roads really are short-term projects, not like a uh, not like a, uh, a utility would be or something like that. So I think what, what we've tried to look at is everything needs to be discussed. Uh, the, the thing with a gas tax I think makes sense, and I'm not advocating that per se, but what I, I think what has to be looked at is, Everybody has a sense to agree that, that we, we want to make sure that the people paying the bills on things are the users. Uh, they see more of the value in that if you're going to raise a gas tax, everybody who drives is going to pay that tax. Those who drive more will pay more tax. They're doing more damage to the roads. Larger vehicles will do more damage, which is why and we, haven't even, we haven't even touched the, uh, uh, the diesel tax or the M M MCST since 1988. Um, if, even if you would have just indexed them at that time and kept up with inflation, I think we wouldn't necessarily be in this problem. So we have to seriously look at, at, at number one being, do we look at, at, at indexing the fuel tax and restoring some of that, that, that uh, lost buying power? But, but other than that, you know, the tolling, the, the redirecting gas sales tax, those are all issues I think we have to at least discuss. Marjorie, I want to ask you that the, the House GOP plan does include a tax increase in, in the gas tax. Looking at an election year, is that is that a possibility in your opinion? Well, if you're going to increase the tax, the gas tax is the one to do because it's a lot less visible to most people than most taxes are because the price of gasoline varies from day to day. Um, as a result, as long as you don't increase the gas tax much, many people won't even realize that you've increased it. The problem here is that um, we're driving less than we used to, that uh, we have more fuel-efficient cars. And this is going to take a huge amount of money. Um, I think that the, it, probably a lot of us underestimate the, the extent of the problem here. The interstate highway system started in the 1950s. A lot of the state highways um, predated that by quite some distance. They weren't intended to last forever. 
they had a lifespan of maybe 20, 30 years before they were expected to be reconstructed. And by that, I don't mean the potholes filled, but reconstructed. We haven't been reconstructing very much. We've been filling potholes and um, doing a little backing and filling for about the last 60 years with respect to these highways. And the challenge is that that's going to take a tremendous amount of money. You can't just keep filling the potholes and uh, keep these highways and bridges from falling apart. And with all due respect to Representative Lehman, it's not just the drivers of the cars who are dependent on the roads. Virtually everything we use in our homes comes by truck. Um, the last figure I saw um, about the food that we eat is that the average thing of food that we get in our homes comes from 1,500 miles away. Um, if that's the case, then we're all dependent on those highways, and I'm not at all sure that the gasoline tax, you'd have to raise it enough so that people would realize you raised it, and that's exactly going to be the problem. Oh, I want to, I have to ask this question, too, from a political standpoint, because it's, it's interesting for me to be in, hearing this discussion where we have uh, Representative Forstall, a Democrat, saying uh, raising a tax would be a non-starter, and we have Republican <laughs> Matt Lehman saying, uh, you know, a, a gas tax yeah. might be, we're, we're going to look at, at all these options. I mean, am I... <laughs> it's, it's kind of upside down and backwards, isn't it? It kind of is, yeah. <laughs> we are very, very, uh, very fiscally responsible over here. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Dan. Well, you know, you wouldn't have you wouldn't well, have heard this from the two parties forty years ago. It would have been perfectly normal for you know one uh, Democrat to say increase taxes and another to say reduce them. It's the polarization of the two parties that have led to the difference that we've seen so clearly. Uh -huh. Matt, go ahead. Well, and I, I think yeah. really, Bob, the way you even worded the question starting out, you know, as, as a tax increase in an election year, mm -hmm. uh, that's that's probably what. what kind of gets me the most a lot of times is is if we've got an issue that needs to be addressed and this if this is the right fix then the election's irrelevant uh because the the and, and to to marjorie's point is yeah when I, when I said about the roads being dependent i'm talking about the people who use the road the most pay the most in that tax we, and, and that's just the point we rely heavily on transportation uh we should have the best roads we're the crossroads of america uh, so raising that, if you index it back to 2002, it's about four or five cents uh, now, and then keep, you know, keep indexing it forward. So you're not talking a massive amount of tax, but I think you've you got to do what's right. And if it's, if it's the right time to do it, you do it even going into an election year. And most of the people I've talked to, and this is where the government has another problem, is, is if we do this and say that money will go to roads, their concern is what guarantee do they have that we'll stick to our word and therein lies part of the problem too is we if we dedicate this directly and all of 100 percent of it to, to streets and roads and locals then what happens when that money does build up and then suddenly well let's use it over here and let's use it to pay for this and let's dip into it for that that's where i think the public has lost some trust in government in that we 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 offer something and then we don't really follow through with what we've intended to do with that so my concern is is that we look at this not through the lens of how is this going to settle politically, but how do we look at it in the sense of, of, of what's the right thing to do. And to the, to the Democrats and to Dan's point, I think we should look at the reserves. We do have a reserve for a reason, and this is one of those reasons, but I'm, I'm not ready to, you know, just take the ATM card and, and empty it out. So I think there's we'll, we'll get there. I think we'll get there. I think we'll get there. Uh, and, and, you know, Dan's working very hard on this, I know, along with our uh, chairman, um, it's holiday. So I, I think at the end of the day, hopefully we'll find something that everybody can live with. Okay, we're going to take a short break. Uh, we're uh, talking about the legislature this year, the Indiana General Assembly, which just just started. There are a lot of issues that we, we we've only gotten to two, and there are a lot more that we're, we want to get to in the second half of the program. Uh, so you're All listening. Right. You're listening to Noon Edition. We'll be right back. This is Noon Edition on WFIU. Production support comes from Smithville Fiber, online at smithville.com, and IU School of Public Health Bloomington, online at publichealth.indiana.edu. 
WFIU News covers South Central Indiana and the state each day. You can read news throughout the day as it's posted on our website at WFIUNews.org. And you can pick up a digest of all the top stories. It's like a newspaper delivered to your inbox each weekday afternoon. It's a free and easy way to stay on top of not only the headlines, but also the in-depth audio, video, and print news stories you can't get anywhere else. Subscribe right now at WFIUNews.org. Welcome back to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg from the Herald Times, along with co-host Sarah Whitmire. And uh, we have three guests with us today talking about the legislature. Um, State Representative Matt Lehman, Republican from Bern, Indiana, and the majority floor leader in the House. And Representative Dan Forstall, a Democrat from Indianapolis, are joining us by phone. In the studio, we have Indiana University political science professor Marjorie Hershey. If you have questions or comments, give us a call at 812-855-0811 or 1-877-285-9348. You can also join the live chat at wfiu.org slash Noon Edition. And you can follow us on Twitter at Noon Edition. We do have a phone call, but we're going to go – I want to go back to Sarah first because we, we have a little confusion about what some of these bills say about infrastructure. And just, I guess, and hopefully both of you on the phone can help us answer this, about what it means for local communities in terms of them sort of – you know, there's talk of like increasing a wheel tax and then if there's going to be enough and then some of the – in some of these poorer communities – where they would be able to raise enough money through those sources. So maybe if you two can just talk about local communities and how they are, um, their responsibilities or how that would look like in both of these bills or in Senate Republican bills. Sure. I can, uh, I can start. Just the, uh, I'm, I'm fairly familiar with it. The, uh, you know, I guess, I guess one of the things you have to start with is uh, the, the declining revenue that local units of government have been able to uh, raise. And some of that has come by way of the General Assembly, uh, the you know the purse strings have been tightened. Um, you know, money is is held for longer to add some layers of uh, security, and so uh, local units have been you know struggling to to stay afloat. Um, and you know my my feeling is <clears throat> that they they should do some work, uh, but I feel like they have done a lot. And so you know maintaining eighty percent of Indiana's roads is done by counties and local units of government. So they need the most help. Uh, and I know the first infrastructure plan we saw from the, the governor didn't have uh, money for local units of government. I think since they have started uh, talking more about that. Uh, but that is one of the reasons that the, the Democrat plan to, you know, repurpose to its original uh, intent, the sales tax at the pump is, is you know, so beneficial. It, it, it raises uh, so much revenue and so much of that can be shared with our you know, brothers and sister, sisters and local units of government. And we take a, you know, a joint approach as opposed to kind of an adversarial one where we're saying you do all the work and we'll you know, help you when we can. Uh, we, we should really be working together with them to make sure that Hoosiers have really, really great roads. Uh, we have a phone call yeah, about uh, about the issue too, uh, Matt. If I can, let, let's go to this phone call. And if yeah. you have another comment, you can make that afterwards. So, Stan, you have a question on Hi. infrastructure? Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, on the, on the current uh, governor's initiative to uh, 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 offer forty two million to different organizations and perhaps another forty two. Uh, why is this not being discussed in the legislature for this very subject of, of infrastructure? That's my question. Okay, thank you. Uh, Matt Lehman? So I, I, I'm, I'm assuming Stan's referring to the regional cities initiatives. Yeah, I, I think that's right. Yeah, okay. And, and I think if, if you kind of look at, the, at, at, at that, that is a separate issue. We, we've got to kind of set that aside from this debate because that, that's, that's a, uh, strictly a, uh, you know economic uh, engine or economic development uh, tool. There might be some infrastructure within those regional city applications and proposals, but you know, I think I think kind of going back to to the concern of, you know, and and maybe to Stan's question kind of was too is you know why isn't more being done when we're spending money over here or over there, why isn't some of that coming back into the to the roads? And I think that's an issue that'll be discussed as well, but I think it's uh, to the to the locals and that, and that is I mean Dan's absolutely right. 
you know, when you have the largest percentage, big percentage of the roads being maintained by locals, you've got to keep them in this mix of, of this discussion. Uh, but at the same time, I do think they have, I came out of 14 years of county government. Uh, it was very easy for me to call my state representative and say, hey, I want you guys to pass some tax that I get the benefit from because then I don't have to. Um, it's, it's a tough, it's a tough sell. But I think they need to also step up and say, look, if these roads need to be fixed by us, we need to help be a part of the solution as well as the state. Let's move on to education and talk about some of the education issues. Um, you know, we have I-STEP scores, and there seems to be sort of a quick movement to say we don't want these I-STEP scores to hurt, um, to be used in teacher evaluations and teacher pay or to, you know, label failing schools again because it, it was such a mess this year. Um, what do you think is going to happen with that, you guys? Do you think it's uh, – will the legislature sort of get behind – even Governor Pence has been behind this – Will the legislature do something quickly on this? Yes. <laughs> okay. I, yeah, I mean, I, I would say this, and I think, I'll be honest, eight years I've been in the General Assembly is the first time I've seen an education issue that, that several education issues that really have almost unanimous support. I think everybody agrees we need to decouple uh, any of the uh, teacher compensation to the I-STEP testing. I think uh, that there's definitely something that needs to be done with the A to F, uh, whether it be a hold harmless or something along that line. Um, and then obviously we, we've got to look at just the testing in itself is how we run I-STEP, and I-STEP is, is, it needs to be replaced. Um, so I think everybody would, would have an agreement on that. I, you know, Dan can speak with his, his party, but you know, some of it's going to be how we get there. But I think the, the fact that the, 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 the DOE with uh, Superintendent Ritz the governor's office and, and, and both caucuses have kind of come together on several of these bills and have said, we, we think this is the right way to go. Yeah, I would agree with uh, with really everything Matt said. I think that uh, the, you know, not not necessarily tying teachers to these, uh, you know, really bad grades that came out this, this first time and a hold harmless, you know, transition year is, uh, uh, is probably smart policy. I would also say that I, I, I hope that uh, we slow down just a little on some of the education changes we've made. I, you know, I heard a, a statistic a couple of days ago that we've had over 100 different changes to schools in just the last four years. I mean, that's extremely tough for teachers and parents and school districts to, uh, you know, to know what the rules are and how things are operating when the changes come so fast and so furious. Uh, and so my my hope is that we see you know slow down on some of these things and let the dust settle a little bit. Uh, but I, I absolutely do, do think it's smart policy to uh, to not you know punish these teachers for what is you know hopefully and almost certainly a, an anomaly of a first year transition. Okay, Marjorie. Well, it's certainly wonderful to hear an agreement um, <laughs> in the legislature <laughs> about uh, yeah. Uh, but um, and I I hope I don't disparage it by saying this, but uh, let's face it, this is a pretty slim uh, measure to agree on that will set aside the results of the current standardized test. I think what we really need to think about is that last year ISTEP was administered and a certain percentage of the students failed. This year, we had a tougher test that was administered, and a larger percentage of the students failed. What we might want to conclude from this is that the nature of the test has a big impact on the results, and that if we rely on one single test in a given year to determine what happens with education in all of our schoolrooms around the state, uh, we're probably going to run into some problems. We, uh, you know, the, the problem um, is not just with the current test. The problem is with relying on a single test, which will have a single set of results that will be different from a different test. Uh, that's just no way to run an education system. Mm -hmm. So, do you, um, Representative Forstall, so Dan, first, uh, do you have would you have an alternative uh, to offer to to you know the testing system that we have in place now? Well, the I mean, I think one thing, and I I, I think we uh, agree on this. I hope I don't jump the gun, but you know, I feel like the uh, the I step is is damaged goods now. Uh, I don't think there's a lot of uh, you know faith that it can accurately portray what is going on. Uh, in the in the classrooms, at least when you, you know you're talking to the public, 
uh, my guess is we are, you know, we are hopefully uh, going to go to some other, uh, you know, standardized testing that will better gauge and better benchmark uh, where student performance is, and that's really going to be something that our, uh, you know, leaders in in education and the governor's office are going to have to figure out which direction they want to go and and lead on this issue. There there needs to be executive leadership. Uh, on this education issue. But Representative Forenstall, do you believe yes. that there is a perfect test out there? I mean, where is where is this better test going to come from? I I don't know. I mean, there's no I do I think there's a perfect test? No, but uh, the the one we used uh, this last time didn't seem to uh, to do the job and so my my hope is that uh, educate or education leaders who are far more intimately acquainted with this uh, than I are able to come up with a better way to do this for Hoosier students and one that, could, that we can use uh, long term so we're not jumping back and forth and you know every year a student comes in they end up taking some other newer better version of a standardized test it needs to be a you know a long-term solution and if if that takes uh, consensus building across you know committees and disciplines of education then, then so be it um, but I, my gut feeling is the public is has soured uh, on the I-STEP test, and I don't think there's any going back from it. Sarah, you have another question about education. Right? I'm just, well, I'm, in addition to the I-STEP, I'm wondering if there's going to be any action in the legislature this session to deal with the teacher shortage. Well, I think you know I we, we have put out, and and I think it's it's let's first define maybe teacher shortage. And sure. That is, I, I, do we have actually a shortage of teachers, or do we have teachers who don't want to teach? Uh, I, I know several people who have their teach, education degree just haven't gone into the classroom. Uh, that's an issue we need to address. We need to find out that, that issue number one. But also, I think you know, we have proposed the next generation Hoosier education educator scholarship. Uh, it looks at providing an incentive for students. Uh, the the the, uh, the top students that they want to pursue a career in teaching, that the state would establish a scholarship uh, for in return uh, a five year commitment to teaching in Indiana schools. Uh, you know, I think that's I think that's a good start to get. It's like anything else. You know, some things just have to incentivize, and I think that's a that's a, a place to start with an incentive incentive. But it also goes back to the big picture of. Um, and to Dan's point, you know, we, we, we seem to always be changing education, and, and, and I support the changes we've made in the past. I think some of those have been uh, changed and then, and then quickly changed again, and, and we, we need to take a step back and let some of that stuff soak in. Um, but at the same time, uh, education as a whole, I, I think, and, and keep in mind, too, a lot of this came from the No Child Left Behind Act, which I think was, I think was personally bad uh, public policy. With the change now to the uh, Every Student Succeeds Act, uh, unshackled Indiana, I think, a little bit from some of those standardized testing. Uh, but I think going back to getting teachers back into the classroom, some of it is if they can see that there's a reason to go back in, and some of that is a little more control under the state and then maybe an incentive to go to college to do that, I think that, that gets us back where we want to be. Margie? I think that these two questions are intimately related. Um, yeah. When you ask for people to become uh, involved in education for their, their life's work, and then um, you give them a standardized test that their livelihood depends on that is going to change from one year to the next and that the legislature is going to be intimately involved in, in uh, determining, you sort of reduce the enthusiasm that a lot of people have for teaching kids. Um, I do applaud both of the legislators saying that they think that it would be a good idea for people who specialize in education to have maybe a little bit more influence on how we ought to run education. I think that's a great idea. Um, I, with all due respect, I think that it would be wonderful if some of the rest of us were to step back just a little bit and let some of the educators have a little bit more to say about that. Yeah. All right, we're talking about the uh, Indiana General Assembly this year. We've we've gotten through three issues now, basically. But uh, we're we eight one two eight five five zero eight one one is our local number, and one eight seven seven two eight five nine three four eight. If you want to uh, give us a call and get in your pet issue, um, I want to move on to uh, jobs. I know Governor Pence certainly, and and. Well, I think everybody in the legislature says, you know, jobs is a big issue for the state of Indiana. So, so you know, it's easy to say, 
a lot harder to do. How are we going to create higher paying and better jobs for the state? What are the Republican ideas? Well, I think uh, what I would say is, is is we do some maintaining. Uh, if you look at where Indiana is at compared to where it was at, uh, you know, eight years ago, ten years ago, uh, we've come a long way. I think we've cut corporate income tax. That's drawn uh, industry here. It's, it's drawn business here. Uh, economically, our, our unemployment is the lowest it's been in, in, a, in a decade. Um, so we've, I think we've put the things, the mechanisms in place to allow the job creators, the industries out there, to look at Indiana as a place to come. If you look at it, we've, you know, we've cracked the Forbes uh, top ten for the first time as a, as a state to do business in. Almost all indicators are out there from the site selectors to the, in, to the business uh, minds that Indiana's environment is a good place uh, to do business. And so I think what you do is you, you now don't do sweeping change, but you find the places you can maybe tweak nuances here or there to make sure that not only do we, do we continue to attract those businesses, but we also keep the ones that are here and, and, and give them incentives to grow. And how about on the Democrat side? Yeah, I would actually say that I um, would agree with, uh, with Representative Lehman that, you know, the legislature has done some really uh, – and, you know, the, the governor's office have done some great things uh, in terms of uh, getting our unemployment numbers down and, and uh, expanding access to jobs. But one, one area where we are uh, badly lagging is uh, median household income. Uh, I mean, we, there was a statistic just a couple of days ago that I saw that uh, the that about ten thousand dollars. There's been a ten thousand dollar decrease in median household income over the the past decade, and so one of our concerns is that if people don't have money to spend uh, at local businesses and uh, uh, at, you know at restaurants and shops and things like that, those businesses are going to be hindered in how much they can grow. There's only so far that we can cut uh, their taxes to, you know, help ensure that they have enough money to or revenue coming in to, to grow. So we have to make sure that people are making more money. One of the ways I think we do that is raising the minimum wage. Uh, it has been a long time since Hoosiers have seen an increase in their take-home income. That's one way uh, to really give a shot in the arm to Hoosier workers and let them know that we appreciate the work they do for the Hoosier state. All right. Can we talk about just uh, measures dealing with drug use in the state? I know there are a couple different competing bills about pseudoephedrine, and you know one of those would make it prescription only. I'm just wondering if if there's going to be time to even to even get to that this session and where that ranks as a priority. Well, I, I would well, say I, I think it needs to be a top priority. Uh, not only is Indiana. Uh, doing great economically. Unfortunately, we're also number one in the nation when it comes to the production of meth. Uh, and being from northeast Indiana, we are some of our counties lead the top of the state. So it is a big issue uh, up, up in my area. Um, and I think we've tried. I've been on the Courts Criminal Code Committee for the last six years. We have really tried to uh, uh, define that sweet spot to not be a burden to the public, to the buying public who needs the pseudofedrin, pseudofedrin for the right reasons. Um, at the same thing, whether it be the registry and, and, and requiring, you know, limiting the volume, things like that, that has not worked. Uh, so what is that, that final, that final that key, key element? And that is you really have to start to have a little more control over the main ingredient, which is the pseudofedrin. There's a lot of options out there. there there's the, the pharmacy issue, letting the pharmacist engage. In a, in, a, in a one-on-one with the purchaser, to, to, you know, they, they're, they're trained. They can they can start to indicate, you know, this is not a legitimate buyer of this product. Uh, there's issues with and I, restricting felons from buying a pseudofedrin. It seems odd, but other states have done that, and it seems to have have cut down. Uh, it's an issue we've tried to deal with, I think, and have never really gotten a handle on. And and that is an issue. And, and then you got you know the heroin issue is roaring back from the. You know, everybody always calls it just the 70s drug, but it is a huge problem again. You talk to law enforcement, uh, it, is, it is a huge problem in Indiana. And we can talk about infrastructure, we can talk about all these other issues, but if we don't get a handle on our, on our drug uh, issue, we're going to lose a generation of kids. Mm-hmm. I absolutely agree. Uh, with Representative Lehman, I can tell you as a, uh, as a firefighter here in Indianapolis, uh, the the increase in the number of runs that I go on uh, day in and day out as, as it relates to heroin or methamphetamine and overdoses 
uh, has just gone up exponentially. It is absolutely uh, a crisis, and it's it's one of those issues where, fortunately, well, I guess unfortunately, it doesn't just touch one area. It hits everywhere. It's in rural. It's in yeah. suburban. It's in urban. Uh, it crosses everyone, and addiction can strike anyone. And one of the really good things that we've seen uh, over just the last, you know, probably not even a decade is more and more people understand that this is a, a medical problem, that people are sick, they're not flawed or uh, evil, but they uh, have a debilitating illness, and that is addiction. And uh, the more we can do to prevent people from going into that cycle of addiction, the better off we'll be. And we've also made some great strides, like the, the making Narcan available uh, statewide to save people who are overdosing from heroin. Uh, I would like, actually, to see us go in the direction of Avivitrol, uh, which is a 30-day opioid-blocking injectable uh, that you know prevents and blunts the, the urge for opiates and alcohol and things like that, and it also blunts the effects, if it, if it doesn't completely stop the effects, for the 30 days while the medication is in your system, and then we prevent the overdoses from even happening. But there's a lot of uh, uh, exciting you know, scientific breakthroughs happening in this. We just need to, as a legislature, make sure we stay right on the cusp of it uh, so that we're able to help Hoosiers struggling with this issue. We have about five minutes to go. Uh, one issue I wanted to bring up, you know, we've seen a lot of action uh, nationally and in the state on gun legislation and gun control or whatever you want, you know, to call it. I know, you know, on the federal level, we've, you know, the president's come out with his his administrative actions and, and whatnot. Yet on the state level, we've had at least three bills that would actually loosen uh, gun regis- gun legislation in the state of Indiana, including one that would allow for you know guns to be brought on university campuses. An- another one that would loosen up the the rights of people who've had um, a lot of alcohol related convictions to be able to get guns, and one that would even stop licensing uh, any purchases of guns altogether in Indiana. If I if I read that bill correctly, um, what can we expect in the way of gun legislation this year? Will any of those bills will we have a you know a loosening of of uh, gun control in Indiana, or do you think things will stay the same? I'm not even asking if it's going to get tougher. <laughs> I think it's going to be difficult to, to move massive changes this year. Difficult, not, not impossible, but difficult. Um, I think you have to, again, it goes back to, there's a, this is another of those uh, razor edge at times, um, because I do think you know, it is a constitutional right to, to bear arms. I, I, I am one who believes in, uh, I like the idea of registration, I like the idea of some background checks. Uh, at the same time, I think that uh, uh, some of it's repetitive. I mean, I, I, I uh, you know, if you go to get a, a handgun, you are you have to have it registered. You are federal background checks. You go through the criminal process. Indiana's level of you know just giving you a, a little piece of paper to carry that says you can carry it, um, you know, is, is 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 maybe a step too far. Not too far, but a little bit redundant. The other thing is, is my issue is, is a lot of times on on whether it be college campus or. Uh, I'm not advocating for that, but I guess on the other side, when you look at these campus shootings, so many of this is happening in areas where we promote gun-free zones. And I think if you have someone who's, and I think it's a mental illness in a lot of these people, if you have this mental illness and you're, and you're bent upon this, this, this devastation, um, we're almost advertising the place to go. Uh, and so I'm, I'm very concerned with the fact that we, we, we advertise that you know, our schools literally have no weaponry, so if I want to go with a weapon, there's no stopping me. Um, and so I, I think you have to have that discussion at least. Dan? Yeah, I, I, think, the, uh, I, I think the discussion is, is fine to have. My personal feeling is I hope that none of the three bills that you referred to uh, move. Uh, I think they are, you know, frankly just mis, misguided uh, and, and maybe don't do justice to the, the uh, gun violence that we're seeing. I can tell you, you know, I, I agree. I think it's in the Constitution. Uh, it's very clear. But, you know, just because something is constitutionally guaranteed doesn't mean that we don't, uh, you know, constrain it in some fashion for the greater public safety. I mean, there's a, you know, we have free speech guaranteed, but you can't yell fire in a building, for example. And that's smart because it, it, it puts lives at risk. 
Uh, and so expanding, for example, you know, guns to people who uh, have chronic run-ins with the law uh, abusing alcohol is just makes no sense. It doesn't make common sense, and it certainly doesn't make sense uh, as a matter of public policy and public safety. I think there are things that we can do uh, that will have a would have a measurable effect. You know, very common sense things. Having people. Uh, be able to show or illustrate that they can operate a, a firearm. I mean, I have a hard time uh, seeing people disagree that you should be able to operate a firearm if you're going to use it. Um, and, you know, be making sure that the mentally ill or people that are on terrorist watch lists, for example, aren't able to uh, obtain a firearm. And those things aren't being heard at the General Assembly. Instead, we have legislation filed that, you know, does away with licensing and makes it even easier for those people to get firearms. Marjorie? I think that the the incredibly extreme nature of these three bills um, probably more than anything shows us that state legislatures have given the gun lobby so much of what it wants in recent years that it's running out of things to ask for. Uh, it can't just sit back and say, oh, well, let's just relax for a legislative term because it's got to keep activating its members. So it comes up with stuff like this. Um, and uh, I think the fact that a Republican and a Democrat both agree that there are reasonable limits on the ability to um, to have weapons and to use weapons suggests that what we ought to look at is the gun lobby. Uh, who on earth are these people speaking for? All right. And we're out of time. We could talk for a long time on that one, but we're out of time. <laughs> I want to thank our guests today, Representative Matt Lehman and Representative Dan Forstall. Thanks a whole lot for being here with us today. You've added a great deal to our conversation. Um, also, Marjorie Hershey, thanks as always for being here, for Sarah Whitmire, for um, producer, um, yeah. JD. JD. JD Gray's here. JD's here. Uh, and also Mike Pashkash. I'm Bob Zaltzberg. Thanks for listening. Edition is a production of WFIU and the Herald Times. A podcast of this and other WFIU programs is available at WFIU.org. Production support comes from School of Public Health Bloomington. Public Health Reimagined, addressing 21st century health challenges with a multidisciplinary approach to disease prevention, health promotion, and enhancing quality of life. Publichealth.indiana.edu and Smithville Fiber, the Gigacity Company. Fiber Internet, HD, and digital IPTV in Southern Indiana. More information at smithville.com.